D. Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. We are just a few days following San Diego Loyal's first ever win at home. We have the final standings in, uh, in Europe. We know the Champions League results. Who's going to be in next year? Who's going to Europa? Who is not? Who's being relegated? I did spend some time watching the relegation battle yesterday morning. We're recording on a Monday this week. Darren Smith, good morning to you. Jordan Carruth, it is nice to see you where you are in Santee and I am at my kitchen table. So uh, good to see you again on Saturday night. As always, I feel like we, uh, we need to remind everybody who's listening to this podcast the same way we remind everybody who's tuning in and watching us on Facebook Live 30 minutes before SD Loyal matches and then post-match as well. We certainly wish you guys were with us. We wish you guys were inside of Torero Stadium on Saturday night watching San Diego Loyal take down Las Vegas Lights. First win ever at Torero Stadium at home for SD Loyal. So thank you guys for joining us, either pre-match, post-match, or whenever it was. If you missed that, you can still find it on the club's Facebook page. But as good a time as we had, there was something there that was missing, obviously, and it was all the supporters that would have been having a blast on a Saturday night there watching Loyal take down lights. Yeah, we've, uh, we've referenced it a few times, how different it is inside the stadium and watching a match without any fans. We brought it up in every single broadcast we've done from Torero, and I don't feel like we can stress it enough. It is so strange watching that match uh, with no one in there. You get to hear a lot more, and yeah. at least that provides, provides us some, some insight. That will be, a, I think, a fun topic on today's podcast. I'll do my best to provide like, the, the sounds from what I heard um, from being down on the field during that, because you can hear so much. You can, you can hear a little bit more being down on the field for anyways, but when there's 20 people um, in the stands and they're all media or, or working PA or working media, doing write-ups and stuff, I mean, it's, you hear everything. So I'll do my best to provide some insight on that. But Darren and I will be back Wednesday. Um, it is a road match. San Diego Loyal will go to Carson to take on Los Dos once again. We get to see Galaxy 2. I'm sure the club is excited to, to take on Galaxy 2 once again after getting a loss, the first ever loss. Um, they get their rematch. But Darren and I will be back on San Diego Loyal's Facebook page 30 minutes before kickoff, which is at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. So Darren and I will be on at 6.30. We'll have keys to the match, the starting 11s. We'll talk about the biggest storylines. Who knows? We may even have a guest. But uh, we're going to be down at Stone at Liberty Station once again, starting at 630. So we have to promote that. Yeah. And I think this time we're going to be out and about. It's not an official club sponsored or podcast sponsored watch party. But I think the plan is the first match when they resumed and they were playing in Salt Lake City against Real Monarchs, we were sort of off inside in a closed room. I think the plan as of now is that we'll be out and about in that amazing courtyard at Stone Brewing, Liberty Station. So not an official, again, watch party. We're not there yet. We hope we can, you know, as we're seeing what's happening in Major League Baseball, it you know, sort of feels like it's very, very far away to, to the idea that you could have watch parties. But, you know, that hopefully will be part of the plan at some point. I don't know. We'll have to just wait and see the way things unfold. But uh, we'll be out there, and we hope you tune in. And I like, Jordan, what you said about being able to hear stuff happening. I, I will say there is a silver lining to not having 
the locals and, and hearing all the noise is that what you just said is spot on. Even up from the PA booth, you can hear players. You can hear what they're saying to referees. Uh, some of this comes through on the broadcast. Some of it, though, maybe not so much. Landon Donovan, I don't know that they discussed this on the broadcast, was officially cautioned by the referee in this match. And you actually were behind LD and heard what he said. I also heard the public address announcer was somewhat attacked by players down there on the field. What happened there? Um, so I thought the PA announcer was continues actually to be fantastic inside Torero Stadium. I, I thought Saturday night was no different. A fantastic performance. The voice sounds so familiar. Um, but there was a moment early on in the match, Darren, where a yellow card was issued. We saw a few cards. There was, uh, I don't think it was the best officiating we've ever seen. I also don't think it was that terrible. Um, I bet you we see worse this season. And I think it went both ways. <laughs> um, but there was a moment early on, I believe in the first half, where Las Vegas is given a yellow card and the PA announcer, who again was just fantastic on the night, Wow. Um, I think said the wrong number, like said, uh, number four gets a yellow card and I'm pretty sure I, I might have the numbers wrong. So don't, don't look this up. <laughs> I, I, think, I like, actually number am looking this up right now because I'm looking at my notes that I had to take during the match. Okay. Um, I believe, I, I think the numbers three and four may have gotten mixed up. Did you discipline a number three or a number four potentially? I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Again, I want I wanted to remind everyone how fantastic the PA announcer was on Saturday night. But I do remember a moment where the players on the field, especially with Las Vegas, were very confused. And I believe the quote was, number four. Number four is on the fucking field right now. I believe that was the direct quote. Um, it was a mix-up on, on who got the yellow. I, I believe the refs got it right, so I don't think there was any, like, official confusion. I think just maybe over the microphone, the wrong okay. was announced. So, uh, in the 17th minute, number seven, Junior Sandoval, was cautioned. He received a yellow card. And I remember making that announcement. Now, I don't – I couldn't tell you if I said the number four – I know I'm looking at my notes. It says it right here on two different pieces of paper. 17th minute, Junior Sandoval issued a yellow for Las Vegas Lights. Now, was it, uh, was it one of our guys who was complaining or was it one of their guys? No, it was one of the Las Vegas players. They were doing okay, a lot well, of complaining them. on the night. Yeah, yeah. They were fuck doing a lot off. of complaining. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I believe – I think I have that quote right. I, I wish I was recording um, – <laughs> I wish I was a little bit closer so I could have recorded, but I'm pretty sure the direct quote was number four is not even on the fucking field right now. Yeah. Um, Fuck all the way back to Vegas. Um, other things I heard, I thought the refs, speaking of the refs, um, one of the very first things that, that I kind of jotted down in my notes app on my iPhone was loyal go up to one of the refs and start complaining kind of early. I think it was in the first five minutes. There was a, I forget what even the play was, but there was, there was complaining from loyal to the refs. <laughs> and very quickly, the official says, we're not doing this tonight. Walk away. And just repeated himself, walk away, walk away. We are not doing this tonight. Like he was already fed up five minutes into this match saying, we are not going down this road. I don't want to deal with all of your guys' complaints. Just, we're calling it the way we're calling it. There's no VAR. We're not going to be able to go back and look at reviews. 
we're not doing it tonight. That was the, one of the very first things that I thought uh, kind of stood out to me from, from the field. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to just take a guess that that was probably directed towards Charlie Adams because he was very vocal with the referees, number six. Now, I didn't hear that, but I, that would just be my guess on that. One thing that I heard uh, right before Las Vegas was awarded the penalty, right? So we're in stoppage time, end of the first half. There's a little bit of chaos, you know, inside of the box. Ball comes out. You can hear everybody on the telecast shouting, handball, handball, handball. The ball comes, you know, firing out of the box. Loyal clears it. And then the referee blows the whistle, and he goes over towards the assistant referee who's got the flag up, right? And as the ref was walking from about midfield towards the assistant referee, flag up, Johnny Fenwick is the Las Vegas defender. English can hear him clear as day. Be brave, ref. Be courageous. Be courageous now. Be courageous. This will take some guts. You got to make the call. And maybe not my best English accent ever, but he just was imploring the ref to like, be courageous. Show some courage here, ref. Be brave. Make the call. It's the right call. <laughs> sure enough, they call the penalty kick. And even after two great saves, which you know, was more, I thought, important than the actual goal itself, it, it seemed to work. Some of the politicking seemed to work. Yeah, well, on the total opposite end of that spectrum of being brave, um, after the penalty was actually awarded, I do remember Stoneman going up to the official that actually made the call and just reminding him how embarrassing that moment may have, may have been when he goes back and watches it later. Now, I've gone back and I've watched it. Darren, have you gone back and well, – it's tough for us watching live from the field. Yeah. I feel like when you watch from TV, you learn so much more, which is why I, we've, we've gone back and – you want to hear Jack and you want to hear Shannon on the call, of course, but it also helps us learn a lot more than what you're able to learn. Uh, what did you see when you saw the replay with the penalty? Well, I was confused because I think you know, one of the match reports had it as uh, a handball on Sal Zizo. So, you know, we were sort of like, what's going on here? Um, yeah, I never really got a good look at it. I mean, it, it hits the arm. You know, I, mm -hmm. I think it's probably the right call. But to your point, seeing it live sometimes, I mean, it didn't, you know, it took me until Sunday to realize that Tumi Moshibani's goal wasn't a header. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I sort of thought that that was, was headed in. It, it, you know, I didn't never really saw the replay until the next day. So, yes, your point is, is spot on. You had a much better view of it than I did. And there's total chaos in the box. So um, I deferred to you. But on replay, I, I thought it hit the hand. You know, I, I don't really have a big problem with the call if that's what the assistant referee saw. Yeah, so it happens right in front of me, Darren. Like, I'm literally 15 feet away from this. Um, when it happens live, and again, that's what, that's what we have to go off of, Novar in USL. When it happened live, I'm like, oh, that's, that's going to be a penalty. He hit it down with his arm. He's in the box. That's going to be a penalty. That's what I thought. Um, Going back and looking at it, I think it's very close. There's the argument. He gets shoved. Would, he, would his arm even have been in that position without getting shoved in the back? That's why he's even going down. It, it kind of forced him to extend the arm. I mean, all those conversations, and I'd be happy to have those conversations if you want. It's just watching it live for me personally, it was 15 feet away. I would have called it a penalty, and like I would have gone back and watched that replay and probably said it could have gone either way. Um, the process of how the officials actually played it out, the way that they – it took time, yes. 
but I'm okay with the time that it took, to be honest. I'm okay with the fact I liked and appreciated the fact that they actually communicated and tried to get it right. Because I'm someone who, who doesn't want VAR because I don't think we have the right concept of, of replay in soccer quite yet. Um, I was, as someone who is on that side of the fence, I, I was very happy with how much they communicated, tried to get it right to the best of their ability. You can argue both ways. I really think you can in person. In the moment, I thought it was a penalty. Watching the replay later, I thought you could argue both ways. Um, so I wasn't surprised that the penalty was awarded. Um, later, Landon gets disciplined. And it's because, I mean, you see flags go up. You see inconsistency with calls. Again, it wasn't the best officiated game. I don't think it was the worst. I wasn't surprised the penalty was given. Um, but it did provide another opportunity for us to see Kempen make brilliant moments, plural. Um, obviously, third, third time's a charm there for Vegas. Yeah. I mean, to me, I, I think my takeaway on the penalty being called, you know, was, is it the right call? Uh, was, the, you know, was the referee, uh, did they campaign for it? You know, I mentioned this Johnny Fenwick guy, like, be brave, ref, be brave, ref. You know, and they're humans, and I know they're not supposed to be influenced. But uh, listen, it's it's all part of it. But for me, you know, there's a couple of different takeaways from the penalty in stoppage time. One of them was I really thought that Loyal sort of let down at the end of the first half. You know, I thought that they played really, really well. I thought they dominated the match. You know, certainly through the first, like, 30, 35 minutes, they were clearly the better side. It was right that, you know, they're up a goal. Um, but I thought they let down a little bit. And, you know, I thought they, you know, maybe just wanted to get into the half with the lead. And, you know, you and I had a chance to, to have a couple minutes with Landon afterwards. And I thought that's what stood out. So, you know, for me, it was more, yeah, they let their guard down a little bit. And this is a result of it. You know, good call, bad call, right decision, how the referee handled it, all that sort of stuff, assistant referee. It was more uh, a product of a little bit of lapse, you know, a little bit of, of you know, mentally letting up and just sort of uh, trying to, to get into the half with a one-goal lead. And then that's the result. At least that's what I was thinking at halftime. You know, obviously going back watching it, you might draw a completely different conclusion. But I remember thinking that. We talked about it actually a little bit in the press box. Like, yeah, they didn't play all that great. You know, it's in the final couple of minutes, final five, ten minutes of the first half and and that's what happens so thankfully they came out second half really put it together but you know as well as they played you can always find these pockets where you know maybe they uh you know they weren't as consistent as they were when they were at their best yeah so i, I was really interested to to talk with landon at halftime because i had that opportunity once again and everything that happened with that penalty with las vegas happens right before the break and so i was really curious i had a few questions written down already but a lot of those changed rather quickly um, just because of what happened with the penalty and that quickly became the very first thing I wanted to bring up and the first question I asked them and we'll play the audio for you here on the podcast is like what, what's the mood like I really wanted to know you're up I thought I agree with you they controlled a majority of the first half um, there are stretches where it looks like they're kind of going with the flow as opposed to controlling the match um, I am no expert on X's and O's and execution of this beautiful game um, but it looks like maybe for like five, 10 minute stretches, like they're, they're along for the ride. And then other longer stretches against Vegas Saturday night, it was, we're controlling this and we're dictating what's going to happen. Um, in the final stretch of that first half, the penalty happens. I was very curious, like, what's the mood? Because you did control so much of it. 
and the scoreboard now reflects 1-1. And that's yeah. not exactly what you're looking for because you felt and you had the lead for so long. So it kind of felt like the, the rug was ripped underneath you going into the break, and it kind of was. And so here's what Landon, here's what Landon had to say. Um, as I was walking with him back to the bench after he spoke with his team. Obviously, it sucks to give up a goal at the last second, especially at penalty, especially when your goalie makes two saves. Um, but we told him just let the play go. They played a pretty good first half, especially the first half of the first half. And now we just got to go again. Get control of the game again. They'll wear out. They haven't played a game yet, so they'll get tired, and we'll just keep going. Go again. You brought up the uh, midfield last week. What have you seen from the midfield? They've been good. Yeah. They've been very good. They pick up second balls. They're winning challenges. Um... They need, to, they need to continue dominating. Um, we let go of control a little bit in the last five minutes, 10 minutes or so of the midfield. We got to get that back, and when we do that, we, we control the game. So you started Toomey. Obviously, it pays off early. What went into starting Toomey tonight, and what you think of both players? Well, he's been, I mean, he's been fantastic. And Ben came in. He's helped us a lot. Um, obviously, challenges so that Toomey's there for the goal. Toomey, we've just been waiting to score. He's done everything right except score, and now he got on the scoreboard. Is that par available? For yes. Time? You'll see him. The main takeaway for me there, Darren, is he just wanted to forget everything that happened in that final couple of minutes and focus on the good that was the first half. Because like you said, 30, 35, 40 minute stretches where they're in control. You have five minutes where you're kind of going along and you give up a goal and a penalty and it's questionable and you can go either way. He just wanted to forget about that stretch and he wanted to kind of get back to what they were doing for a majority of the first half and apply that to the second. Uh, one thing about your interview with Landon Donovan at halftime, thankfully, and you know what I think is even better about this week's interview than last week's is you didn't have that annoying, error-prone public address announcer stepping all over you in those couple of seconds. So that was good. That was a huge improvement that that guy knew when to just shut up and not get in the way of pertinent information from the manager. That's number one. Uh, and, you know, number two, good job out of you, by the way, for putting yourself in that position to get some thoughts from the manager here as he's coming out for the second half. Nicely done. Yeah, well, I uh, appreciate the club giving access for that. And yeah. we're able to use that stuff on the post-match show, which is something people should tune into because we're able to recap what's happening at halftime. And, I mean, that's an interview that does not happen on television. Um, so we're going to provide you some stuff that maybe you, you but, can't learn on that. Not yet. The, not yet. Um, but – Wow. Um, you mentioned earlier, and I, this is something I wrote down in my notes as well, Charlie Adams, how, how talkative he is, how vocal he is on the field. Kempen is very vocal, and you expect that from goalies uh, because they're in control. They need to be lining up the back line. They're constantly communicating, and Kempen is, a, he, he is very vocal out there. Charlie Adams very vocal. Um, someone who's not very vocal, and I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just it surprised me because I assume differently, and this is something I've learned here in the last few matches uh, watching from right there on the side of the field is Greenspan um, is kind of – I don't want to say he's quiet because he, he definitely talks out there, but you hear Kempen, you hear Adams. I was a little surprised. For whatever reason, I just kind of assumed Greenspan was like this big vocal leader, and he, he may be um, – away from those 90 minutes that I've seen in those two matches. But it was something that I wrote down and noticed. Like, he's a little bit more quiet than I expected. Yeah, the talkers, I mean, Charlie Adams for sure and Stoneman. I don't know, you know, I don't want to read too much into this. I don't know, that, you know, that that's good, bad, whatever. A military guy, you know, maybe there's a little something there, you know, where, where you know, chain of command, things along those lines. You know, you got Zizo back there who's the captain, other guys – speaking but you know hey listen uh he also i thought played really really well for the most part in the match 
But yeah, it's uh, yeah. There, there are some guys, and I think that this is something the coaching staff has has talked to us about that they really want guys out there to sort of you know take charge and you know make sure that they're being vocal and all that sort of stuff. And you know, let sorry that my line is blowing up here, but that they you know they're looking for guys to to you know step forward and and you know this is something that came out of the you know the the rough loss against Los Dos was like. Who out there, like, can we rely on, like, in a new club, in a new setting, like, who can take control? Like, who can say, like, hey, everybody, come on. And so I thought there was a little bit more of that as we were looking for it, certainly on Saturday night. Yeah, it's okay, Darren. You don't have to apologize just because you're texting directly with Jeff Passan, figuring out if baseball is going to continue or not. Are you – I mean, are you – who – I'm not even working who, today. You're not even working today? You have the day off? Yeah. Good man. Thank Good day you. to take it off. Um, I don't know. I, I think we covered most of the things that I wrote down. Just I wanted to provide some some insight being yeah. down there on the field. I thought, yeah, I mean, I thought I you know, if this was early on, where yeah. set the tone and said they didn't want to deal with a lot of a lot of shit. Yeah, um, a lot of shit was thrown up, uh, their way, and I thought it was okay. I thought it. And they I got thought the post match. Sorry, I thought on post match I brought this up. I don't want to just repeat everything we did. But if you didn't see it uh, or, you know, you're not yet uh, inclined to join us on Facebook Live, you know, I, I really – I thought that the effort was just outstanding. You know, there was a lot of things that aren't going to show up, you know, necessarily on, uh, on, you know, the match page. You know, where guys were just – effort was all out. Elijah Martin, you know, they were sliding in on Vegas players, uh, slide tackles, blocking ball. You know, there just was a lot of that, like a lot of real, real effort – yeah, I used the word flat to describe how they came out against LA Galaxy 2. And, you know, if I'm on that coaching staff, I might disagree because, you know, flat, is that the right word? Whatever. But uh, this was anything but flat. You know, whatever that was on Saturday, two Saturdays ago against Los Dos, this was the opposite just in terms of, you know, effort, uh, being crisp, better passing, pass accuracy, things like that. So I don't know if it's it's something to do with opponents or, you know, if it's uh, – yeah, who knows? You know, I, I'm sure that the coaching staff is probably trying to figure that out as well. But whatever that was two Saturdays ago, it was totally different Saturday night against Las Vegas. Yeah, and clearly one of the differences are available. Um, he, he comes off the bench. He scores the winner against the former club. So that was a, a difference, and I'm ex- – I guess I would expect Para to be available once again Wednesday against Los Angeles, and he wasn't available last time. So he, he was someone that joined us post-match. I do want to play a few of his comments. Um, I mean, he, he went up against his former team. It's not the first time he went up against them, but I thought he had some really, really interesting things to say here, Darren. And you'll hear it from himself, but pay attention to the fact that it seemed like he was uh, playing his friends. Like he was maybe not – I don't know if he was too friendly the first time that they played Las Vegas – but he, he does say, like, I know these people. I'm familiar with them. It's my very first match, and I'm playing against them. It's the last time I played, I was alongside them. He, to me, my takeaway was he wanted to be more like himself, forget that this is your former club, and just go out and attack. Here's what Urban Para had, had to say following the match and the game-winning goal on Saturday night. Loyal get their first ever win in club history at home. And it's all thanks to this guy right here joining us on the post-match show, Match Day Live. He is Urban Para. Coming off the bench, scores a goal. It's the difference tonight. How did you feel going into this one? And, of course, we have to start with scoring against your former club. First and foremost, I mean, 
my mates held it down until I came in, you know, and I know that as a striker, you know, sometimes you just have a couple opportunities, you know, and fortunately I had one opportunity and, you know, I executed it well and, I mean, yeah, it feels really good when you score against a former team. Um, I still have a lot of respect towards them. They're a really good team. They, they came out here and fought, but, um, I mean, we had to get our win. And, I mean, my mindset is winning every game, and especially here at home, not winning a game since we started. And gladly, thank God, you know, we got the win with a full team effort. It's not the first time you saw Las Vegas. You saw him back on March 7th, got the start there. You get another chance off the bench. What was the difference for you this evening? I feel like I, uh, first game, I gave him too much respect. I mean, coming from recently, just a season ago, and first game starts, I'm playing against my former team. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of feelings going on, mixed emotions, uh, playing against friendly faces, you know, and really good mates that I that I had last year. But today, I... I gave him the power that that I am and um, just killer and go and I got my goal. So tell us, you know, you come off the bench. What was uh, the coaching staff telling you? What was Landon telling you as you guys are coming in there just past the 60-minute mark? That they're going to need me. They're going to need me. I need to be big and um, just do what I do every single time at training. And that's, that's what I do. I have fun. I enjoy it. I put in my effort. You know, I work for the team. You know, I... I try to win every single battle. I fight for them. I cover. This is this is amazing feeling right now. You know, scoring the game winning goal and the first the first victory in, in the inaugural season. You know, I'm a little like like star shocked a little bit, but um, it feels good. So you weren't active last week, obviously, and you know, come off the bench tonight. For us, the energy level was just night and day different from last Sunday night. Would you tell us a little bit about you know what training was like this week, what you guys heard from the coaches, and what the players talked to themselves about this week? Because it just seemed like a totally, totally different club than what we saw on Sunday night. Oh, yeah, it's just communication was key today. Everybody was willing to, to compete. That was the difference from this week to last week. Uh, we forgot about last week. We were eventually going to go through it. I'm happy that we went through it already, and um, we have a different mindset now, you know, to come along every single other game. Irvin, it is a uh, quick turnaround for you guys. You'll be back in action Wednesday in Los Angeles. You'll take on Los Dos, a club that the club just saw uh, last week. What does this mean, this win? What does it mean going forward, and what do you think you learned about the club tonight? You know, confidence is one of them. You know, you build confidence from winning. You know, every single time you win and you get the three points, you know, you're going into the game knowing that, you know, we have uh, a streak. Uh, we're trying to get a streak going on, and uh, we're just gonna have to go. We learned from our mistakes that happened uh, last week. We lost against them 1-0. Uh, I feel like we're gonna go at, back at their home and and take those points away. So your uh, first goal for Loyal it comes against your former club. You're here joining us. That means you could pick any of these beers that you want. You could take them with you if you want. Any of these stones that you could take with you since uh, since you showed up here post match with us. I'll take both of my table. I'll take both yeah. of my table. <laughs> <laughs> you earned them tonight, so take what you want. Thank you. I appreciate it. Who had a better Saturday night? You know, you think about all the things with that goal. So he comes in as a substitute, 60th minute, and then uh, four minutes later on a cross from Toomey, who was the man of the match, a goal and an assist. He heads it home. It's the game winner. You're coming off your first loss. It's your first win at Torero Stadium. It's his first goal, and it comes against his former club. Like, that's a lot, right? Like, that's a lot for Urban Para. Game winner, first goal, 
first home win, former club, couldn't play the previous week, which was a loss, come off the – like, you know, that's a lot. Like, that's, that's a really, really good night for Urban Parra. Uh, makes his manager look great because it only took four minutes for him to get involved. I didn't see uh, any sort of, uh, uh, you know, excessive celebration for him. I don't know that, you know, that part of, of you know, him, it, we're learning – Maybe that's related to what you were just talking about. I think he's got a ton of respect, certainly for his former teammates. I know for his former manager, you know, he and Eric Winalda clicked. I also, uh, you know, think that there might have been <laughs> – uh, it seems like there's a lot, as we're learning a little bit about this league, uh, not everybody loves the way Las Vegas Lights goes about their business as an organization, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. So, yeah, I mean, he must – I think he was holding a lot of stuff in, and he was just great on, on post-match with us. Like, you could definitely – sense you know like like he recognized that was a pretty big one in his career you bring up Landon and what he was doing with the lineup he makes he makes the right call up front with the starters gets the goal early and then the the sub obviously I don't think Parra is a very difficult decision to bring on if he's available that's someone you would probably be playing anyway and hopefully you see his minutes expand going forward but again he doesn't take very long to reward the manager and I think you uh, forget one of the one of the, the positives from his night, he scored a, a pair of beers on the post-match show. I mean, I know he, he got the game-winning goal against his former club, first-ever win in club history, but he also scored two beers on that post-match show to take home. He was a very popular guy uh, with his teammates as he went back to those uh, tents. I loved it. I loved everything about it. And, you know, again, last thing, you know, one of the last things I'll have to say about the match itself is arguably their best performance uh, in club history, right? <laughs> Not just of the season. But uh, that it came a week after easily their worst performance. You know, that's, that's something I've always liked talking about in sports is how you handle success and how you handle failure. And because it's just, it's, it's going to happen. Like you're going to have success. You're going to have failure. How you handle it is everything. So, you know, to, to – play a, a rotten match against Los Dos and then respond with arguably your best performance to me like that's we're learning you know we're learning a little bit about this club and that's why they find themselves on top of the group B standings Jordan and why they find themselves with the second most points in all of the USL championship yeah um raise your hand if you had that predicted one versus two in this matchup Wednesday night in group B um, some pretty, I don't know if they're surprising results. I wouldn't say surprising results over the weekend, but it's very notable that Orange County have picked up four out of six against Phoenix. That is changing the, the complexion of the standings as well. And I was, last week we talked about it when we recorded from practice that we weren't look, we didn't want them to lose. We, we weren't like excited that they lost against Los Dos, but we were also excited at the opportunity to find out how they would respond because we're learning so many things about this club. We're learning about the manager. We're learning about the players. We learn how they win. Uh, we need to learn how they're going to respond to a loss. And I thought it was important that we learn that. And what better way for them to respond to that loss with their best performance of the season? We even got, uh, we got called out, Darren, on the, uh, the podcast hosted from the supporters group who we do miss inside the stadium, but the, the loyal locals podcast, the South saying, how could you be excited for a loss? That's crazy talk. And this is why, this is why I said we were kind of excited for it because we got to see how they respond to it. And uh, they respond, they respond with a great win, but now we get to find out, is it a bad matchup Wednesday when they take right. on most dose, or is it something where urban par is healthy and you, you kind of have a better 
understanding of what the lineup's going to be and what they can do offensively. Is it that or is this a bad matchup? And it's not going to take very long to really find out because we're going to see him Wednesday night. Yep. And, you know, one thing on that, it's not like, you know, I've interviewed enough coaches and general managers in my life in every sport that they want to find out, you know, how a keeper is going to respond, let's say, to allowing in a howler for, for, for the purposes of a soccer conversation or how a closer responds to blowing a save. Like, they need to know that stuff. They can't really come out and admit it publicly, but coaches and general managers, they want to know, like, how is my guy wired mentally? How are my guys collectively wired mentally? How am I as the coach going to respond to this? So, yeah, I know they always say, hey, they, you know, we're, we're trying to win. Of course, they're always trying to win. You want to win everything. But losses are inevitable, and how you respond to them teaches you so much about your club, how anybody in any walk of life responds to failure. That's, that's life, you know, and certainly that's a big part of sports. So I know they don't often admit it, but I've interviewed enough of these guys to know that, that when it happens, they are, are very eager to learn something. So, you know, that's where that comes from. But you're right. Sat on to Wednesday night, three matches in seven days, Vegas Saturday, Los Dos, and then the Warren Smith Derby, where we'll have uh, – <laughs> Can you we'll tell have... Jeff Passan that the league is going to get canceled? It's okay. He doesn't need to tell the news to you first. And then the Warren, uh, then the Warren Smith Derby, where uh, Sac Republic comes to town on Saturday night, seven o'clock from Torero Stadium. So, you know, I'm looking forward to the lineup, like how you play, who's available, how many minutes, etc. Because you're not just managing one match now, even though it is a matchup of the top two clubs in Group B. You're really also managing for the week. You know, when you think about it, because, you, you know, you had the, the very compact, uh, crowded schedule. Right. Um, and you might make people even more mad when you say something like this, but losing the way they did to Los Dos compared to, let's say, they had that performance against Phoenix. I'm telling you, you learn more after throwing out, throwing out that kind of performance against Galaxy 2 than, let's say, Phoenix came in here 1-4-0, you didn't look great. You could very easily, as a fan or as a player, chalk that up to like, well, Phoenix is pretty damn good. So it, it grabs your attention when that happens against Los Dos, which is a team that is good, but it's not exactly Phoenix either. Um, so excited to see him Wednesday, 630 is when Darren and I will have the pre-match coverage. Um, I don't know. Do we have any, any time left for me to bring up the fact that Christian Pulisic will be in Champions League football next year? I think that's exciting for everyone involved, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. I, I think it'd, it'd be disappointing if he didn't get to play against other European competition at all. Sort of was the whole point of playing at this level. So, yeah, congratulations. Of course, Jordan, I'm, I'm really, really happy for Christian Pulisic. That's who I'm most happy for, Christian Pulisic with Chelsea Football Club. That's it. What's wrong? <laughs> Of course, we're happy for you too. We're happy that Chelsea oh, okay. back in Champions League. Hey, I mean they won Europa a year ago. Back in Champions League, I think it's a good first year for Frank Lampard. A lot of questions around Frank Lampard. Is it a, is it actually going to fit? Will this work? Will this experiment work with Chelsea? I think he's at least off to a good start. Top yeah, four and, finish. you know, it feels and, good to have like a world class talent you know, U.S. men's national team player who's like a legitimate world-class talent. Yeah, and Frank Lampard seems to be helping him along. Hopefully the, uh, 
the manager for the U.S. men's national team can also help him along. I don't know. There seems to be a different type of Christian Pulisic. We get the Chelsea version and we get the U.S. men's national team version lately. Mm. But he'll be in Champions League football, and I'm excited for that. And he'll likely be starting in an FA Cup final at Wembley this weekend. So I look forward to that. Chelsea taking on Arsenal. And then, Darren, they still have to play Bayern Munich in Champions League as well. So, Barca, they're still in Champions League, aren't they? Yeah, for now. Uh, they have uh, Napoli, and then they get the winner of uh, Bayern Munich and Chelsea. Oh, that's right. That's if yeah. they get Napoli, which is a huge if. Okay, well, you're definitely not going to see Chelsea if you get through Napoli, because we lost 3-0 at home to Bayern Munich. And I'm not great at math, but my math does tell me that's not a great recipe. Did Pulisic play in that match? I don't remember. It was, I mean, that was decades ago. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly do not remember who played in yeah. that match. Boy, Jordan and I will be out of Champions League real quick if that ends up being Napoli and Bayern Munich. Yeah. I saw today that um, teams in England will actually start their season, their next season, a little bit later if they're going on deep European runs. They'll, they'll start a few weeks later than the rest of the competition. And they include Chelsea in that. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's cute, guys. Like, they're not, they're, they're not going on a run in champ. I hope they do, but they're going to Munich down 3-0. So I'm not expecting it. But they did include Chelsea as a potential club that might need a late start because they're going to go on such a deep run in Champions League. So well, thank, that you. Was thank you to Sky Sports. So ended up becoming a Ballon d'Or uh, candidate. So anything is possible. Possible. Um, anything else we need to get to? Do you want to give a big congrats to Real Madrid or anything? Or do we ignore no. the fact that they won the league? No, I don't even know. Every time Barca wins uh, La Liga, I'm told by Real Madrid supporters that they don't give a shit about winning the league. So I don't, why would I congratulate them? It's something I don't even care. Why, what difference does it make? Do you think it was a well-deserved title this year? Uh, listen, all the penalties I'm sure you're bringing up since the restart is like eight or nine penalties awarded to Real Madrid. Uh, my Real Madrid friends, who, uh, as annoying as they are, do like to remind me that's because they're just better and superior and faster, which, you know, what? okay. Um, I think they were legitimately, though, they were uh, the more consistent club. So I don't, I don't, you know, personally think that it was any sort of tainted title I'm not going to go on a Gerard PK kick and say that you know it's all about penalties but again I just all I was ever told when Barca's won the league as often as they have over the last decade that league titles that's for children like we're interested in bigger titles than that so I I don't know how happy even Real Madrid supporters are Um, well we can congratulate CR7 for winning a, a title in Italy so now he has titles Italy. Well, not now. Didn't he already have it? Gosh, is this his first year with Juventus? Oh, my gosh. Can you believe it's still his first year? Is it his first or is it his second? It feels like it should be his 14th. I don't know. The last couple of months, man, it totally ruined my timeline of life. And uh, Maurizio Sarri, too, right? Is he out? There's rumors. Is he? I don't know. I don't know. I know CR7 won a title. That's all I know. So congratulations to, to Mr. Underpants. That's your boy. Yeah. Um, I think that's all, everything I wanted to talk about. Did you miss anything, Darren? 
No. But I'm saying no. Maurizio Sarri, isn't he the manager at Juventus? You tell me, Darren. I believe he is. Are you not happy for the former Chelsea manager? I'm a Frank Lampard guy. Okay. Um, then again, I might have that totally wrong. I thought he was the manager of Juventus, but I, I'm not positive. Listen, I am ready to preview San Diego Loyal against Los Dos. Wednesday night, Stone Liberty Station, 6.30 Facebook Live. Uh, Darren, I'll see you down there. Let's have a few beverages. What do you say? We actually gave beers away to Irvin Parr on the post-match. We should totally make that a thing going forward. Absolutely. I feel like there's a lot of potential there. That uh, Those are not just props. Those are actually cold beers. And it stays cold at Torero Stadium, man. It gets cold and wet. It's like being in Seattle on that campus. So, yeah, they, uh, they stayed nice and nice and cool. I'm sure that they were uh, quite tasty for Irvin Parr. If he, in fact, shared them with his teammates, we cannot confirm or deny that. But uh, if he did, I'm sure it was enjoyed by all. Yeah, absolutely. Darren, I'll see you Wednesday night. I look forward to it. Got to give thanks to Three Punk Ales and to Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. Um, again, San Diego Loyal's Facebook page, 630. And then, then again, following the match, Darren and I will have you for about 30 minutes. Uh, give you man of the match results, our thoughts, updated standings. And first versus second place Wednesday night. It's going to be fun. So it's a big one. It's a big one.